Escape from Plan A. Hey, welcome listeners. Another episode of Escape from Plan A for you. This is Chris teaming up with Teen today. What's up, Teen? What's going on, man? And this episode, we're talking about boba liberalism again, which I went back and looked at when we first talked about it. Teen, uh, guess what number episode it was? I want to see how close oh, or far off you let's are. Let's see. What, which one is this? This is like 259 or something? We are at 259, yes. Uh, oh, 125, somewhere around there. Uh, 92. We were still oh, wow. in the double okay. digits. Wow, okay. Yeah. But I think at this time, we started doing bonuses, so the numbers started really ramping up uh, yeah. at around this time. But mm-hmm. yeah, we just brought this up because there, there have been uh, more and more articles being written. And for whatever reason, uh, I guess we're just that great. They keep citing us, especially that article that Karen Shibuya wrote for us. Mm. And yeah. hey, you know what? We're flattered. Um, and you know they also mentioned that podcast because Redmond was on and they credit him as the or- originator of the term. So, I miss the guy. He's like not on Twitter anymore or something. Probably f- for his own good, just like in general. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, it's it's probably wishing ill anyone to come back on Twitter. But yeah, he was one of well. the funniest accounts on on sort of like Asian, you know, tanky Twitter. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of, I don't know, maybe the funnier you are, the more the more Twitter actually is fucking you up or something like, you know, mm-hmm. the the crying clown or something. I don't know, but I think he just had to get the fuck off for his, you know, his mental health or something. I don't know. Like it was, he was getting really mad, you know. Yeah. Did has Twitter ever affected you that much? Because, uh, you know, like the the previous episode that we did was just with Amanda and Gina. Great episode. Everyone should listen to it if you haven't. And yeah. a big chunk of that was how to stay sane uh, while using social media. And I've never experienced that mainly because I think I, I've just been very detached from it. Um, mainly just use it as like mm. a communication tool nowadays. Uh, but have you experienced anything approaching stress? Not, not on Twitter, but I think part of that is because I, I, because Reddit was basically like exposure therapy, and mm-hmm. I, I had I had seen a lot of stuff on Reddit that that triggered me, uh-huh. but not 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 on Twitter so much. I mean, stuff in Twitter is pretty outrageous, like especially just like the straight up racist shit that like a lot of like blue check accounts will say like like a david from like that kind of stuff will kind of piss me off but not 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 to the degree that you know it's actually affecting my well-being or or my mental state Um, yeah no this is probably for another episode but i i do worry about very young people who Mm. whose main exposure to the world is through social media and you see like all these outrageous things that at least you and i we grew up we had enough of a growing up period where we know that real people generally aren't like this, even if social media has an undue influence on what the media writes about and all that. We know that generally speaking, real people are much kind of nicer, or at least they're meeker in real life. So they can't, there's a lot of fronting going on on social media. But I think if you're young, you really think this is how everyone is. And I'm, I'm not looking forward to what these people will be like when they grow up. Yeah, I think it's it's that, and I think it's also this is how people is, but in real life you kind of hide it. Well, yeah, that's exactly you're, because you're decent, yeah. you know, and 
And you don't want people to know what you think uh, because you don't want to piss people off. But on Twitter, you say whatever the fuck you want. And but that kind of is how people are. And I don't know. You know, uh, Trevor says this a lot, um, as well as uh, everyone who talks about social media to say that um, to question whether this is like representative of real life. And I think it is. I just think that it's just it's it's real life, but without any sort of social you know, like filter. <laughs> yeah, and you that know, social like an- filter is fundamentally what defines what real life is, right? True, it's, yes, uh, true. That's correct. Uh, it's yeah. like um, whatever the social norms or are enforced is what determines society. And if the yeah. norm is, there is no norm, um, well, that's that's just like, yeah, that is real life now. Yeah, the yeah. whole thing of, if your entire, for example, example, like social life depends on having online friends, those are your friends. There is no fake friends if those mm. are your your main social group so yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 anyway but that's a whole different uh, i think yeah thing um just quickly want to say i got vaxxed a couple of days ago i experienced almost no symptoms so i'm one of the i guess chosen people so i, I was fearing what did you get? uh which 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 vaccine oh, I, got, I got the hot people vaccine uh, uh, which Pfizer? if you haven't if you're not a Patreon, uh, please subscribe. Uh, Adam and I did an episode uh, dissecting how ridiculous that whole thing is. But yeah, I got the I got the hot people vaccine. I, I only asked not to not to not to check your social status, but to wonder, uh, you know, because like some are known to have side effects and some are known to have lesser side effects. But yeah, yeah, I was preparing for a day of just not doing much, but no, didn't come. So, and yeah. you are getting vaxxed in a few days. One day right? will be my mm-hmm. second shot of Moderna. And uh, so I'm solidly oh, the middle class vaccine. or whatever. That's the Ugo vaccine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the normie vaccine. What is it? Uh, but we should celebrate and do a live in-person podcast uh, when we can. That'll be the first yeah. time we've done it since. Well, we probably. can do one. We can do one. We'll bring up your um, your recorder uh, to the to to upstate when we go. Oh, to get away. Yeah, upstate. sure. But that's like a month away. So yeah. that's uh, yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, vaccine. That's what's going on. All right, uh, before we get to the main topic, a few things uh, that have happened in the news that I think are worth mentioning. Chinese rocket crashing into Earth. <laughs> Do you know what the name of this rocket is? I just found out. It's the Long March rocket. Yeah, it's the Long March yeah. rocket. <laughs> it's very... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like all over. Like, if you go... My Google News feed, it's dominated by stories about this Chinese rocket. And... I think it's true, but I think, one, I've seen a couple of things. One is some of the headlines will say that this thing is hurtling towards Earth at 18,000 miles an hour. That's not (laughs) – it's it's sort of like, you know, sort of (laughs) uh, straight ahead speed, right? It's Mm -hmm. it's approaching the surface of the planet at something like 0.3 miles per hour. So, uh, like, there's an intentional – I think when they do that, there's an intentional – you know, fear. They're trying to. They're trying to make it seem like the Chinese launched a rocket, and they're trying to make you know. people imagine that scene from Armageddon. Remember when all the meteors strike New York City and destroy yeah. everything from like Grand Central to the Empire State Building? Yeah. I anyway, I recently just rewatched the scene just for just because this reminded me of it, and I'm sure it reminded. If it reminded me, it must have reminded everyone else. It's so ridiculous because uh, Michael Bay makes the meteors just explode like they're kerosene bombs. There's like black smoke everywhere, and <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's. Yeah, and he really is not kind to New York City. And you know, this is like right before 9-11. So I think yeah. people thought it was cool. And I mean, it could happen. Have you seen that picture of um of the SpaceX rocket that fell back to like it, it like it fell back to Earth over uh Washington State? And there's a video of the debris coming down and it looks like a firework. It's really amazing. Mm-hmm. And 
it's funny because the the media coverage of it is like SpaceX rocket debris creates a fantastic light show in the in the sky, <laughs> you know. And but but the thing is like like a pe- like a huge piece of that rocket like fell on a farm, <laughs> and they there's a picture of them like loading like it's Roswell and they're loading this giant like tank like a gas tank or something onto the back of a flatbed truck. They've got it strapped down like it's a UFO from like in Roswell. And and so this has happened before and it's fell on like American soil. But the but when it was uh SpaceX the the on the verge the 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 title you know the the name of the article was Fantastic Light Show. Yeah, when it's an American rocket, Fantastic Light Show, it's Chinese rocket Armageddon. Yeah, exactly. Although it's South, SpaceX technically South African because it's uh, Elon Musk's rocket. Elon I don't Musk, know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this thing just seems like slow news day. And it kind of reminds me of, have you ever seen The Right Stuff, the movie? You know, I've never seen it. Um, Great movie. You should watch it. But yeah. the fun, it's, it's a really good comedy because it honestly portrays the American panic when Sputnik went up. Oh, okay. And just how incompetent they were at the beginning, and not just and and I, and I think the the greater fear of this is not actually the Chinese rocket, but the fact that the Chinese are building space stations, and no, nobody in America has cared about space since like 1969, and uh, it's I think there's this fear of what if basically the Chinese colonized space before us, like yeah, we've we've seen what happens in in like Starcraft and yeah, they want to so. build a fucking uh, moon base with the Russians. Right. They signed an agreement to go build a Russian Chinese moon base. Can you imagine that? Is there any utility in that, like realistically, or is it just a big like dick measuring contest? I'm I, sure I there's some. Don't know. I'm sure there's some point to it. I don't know. Probably, probably just the just the fact that they're on the moon <laughs> mm-hmm. know, is like it's just like a factor. Just gonna have to live with if they ever do do this. Yeah, I, I'm like, sure some there and we're not trillionaire. Will pay a handsome sum to to get up there. On, well, on the if space they do, we're going to see a ton of articles about how terrible of an idea it is, how the, how it, how it sucks. The moon sucks. This is stupid. It's a waste. Of, you know, like we're we're gonna we're gonna we're we're just. I feel like we're just in a mode where we're just gonna back. Like every time some other you know, either Russia or China does something that kind of goes beyond what we are doing. We're just gonna say how it sucks, like the same way, like you know, the Ru- the Russians made that Sputnik Sputnik uh, five um, vaccine, and we just spent all our time saying like, oh, it doesn't work. They're, they they didn't do the testing right, you know, all this shit, and it turns out the thing's like ninety plus percent effective, and they've been selling it like all over the place, you know? Like, Have you seen how good the Russians are at doping? I, if there's one thing I would really trust with them, it would be vaccines <laughs> and chemicals. They know what yeah, they're doing. Yeah. So, but we, we just sat there saying like, oh yeah, no, there's it's not going to work. It sucks. It was just, it's a very like negative attitude, obviously, because we don't like Russians, but. Yeah. There, there's a great line in The Right Stuff where Lyndon Johnson is saying like, I will not sleep under the light of a communist moon because mm-hmm. they fear the, the Soviets will get there for them. So I mean, Americans would be like, I, I will not sleep under the light of Boris and Chang's moon. If, if, uh, <laughs> they, if yeah. they know that the, the Chinese and Russians are up there. Yeah. Um, speaking of China, um, some other stuff has happened. Uh, you want to you take the lead on this? Oh, yeah. This, I, I call it the spy whore. Uh, it's like the Chinese spy whore. It's like a new trope 
And I first noticed it when, you know, Eric Swalwell, that weird guy that ran for president. <laughs> the weird guy. Yeah. He had that, like, plastic face. You know, yeah. He just doesn't seem he's just real. Like, he, he was like, uh, he was like, um, he reminded me of, what's his name? Uh, that, 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 that actor, the Jerry uh, O'Connell or whatever. Oh, yeah. The, uh, uh, from Jerry Maguire. The, yeah. That's what I remember him from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He does kind of look like him. Yeah. Yeah. He's a Jerry O'Connell kind of guy. And uh, they, they were trying to smear him as having had uh, like an affair with this young, younger Chinese international student who they kept saying was a spy. And I didn't see any real like, you know, I, I kept looking up like, is there any evidence that she's an actual spy? I mean, you leaving aside that there's no evidence they even had a relationship. There's just a couple photos of them together, like at some event, you know, but mm-hmm. they were trying to suggest that he had like an affair with her. And um, there was no there was they, they kept calling her a honeypot, you know, like uh, as, as in a honeypot spy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they did the same with Hunter Biden recently, saying that, you know, he he had a Chinese American girlfriend. Every time they just really want to point out that this, she's Chinese. But I guess in that case, they the fact checking you know, department had to say, hey, she's Chinese American. But same thing. They, they had like all these. Um, you know, all these insinuations that because he had this uh, relationship with the Chinese American girl, which there's no indication that he even did. Yeah, there's there's like a reference to him having left some some of his belongings at her place. And then and then, yeah. uh, Yeah. So nothing. And they said they didn't even find like uh, pictures of her in his uh, sorted laptop. Uh, photo collection and stuff so i mean who knows right yeah i think uh she worked for him like he was a personal assistant i think like or like uh something like that yeah so they had like some friendly texts or whatever i'm sure they were like you know friendly but they there's no indication that they were in a relationship and there's no indication that she's a spy but the but the headline in like i think it was uh it was in a uk paper uh, you know, flirty messages from Hunter Biden's Chinese American secretary who worked for him when he partnered with the quote spy chief of China are revealed. You know, it's uh, and then now it's Bill Gates. So there's there's headlines saying that Bill Gates had an affair with a Chinese his Chinese interpreter, and they always put the age. And there's no indication that they had any relationship. There's none. Plus, I read that Bill Gates had a clause in his marriage where he would actually spend every year with an ex-girlfriend and that was part of the deal was it like oh you're only allowed like one affair a year was it i don't know but it it seemed like they knew that you know fidelity wasn't required so don't really see why this would be a deal breaker but yeah yeah but but the thing is like there's not even any like i was reading through this stuff about this chinese interpreter and there's zero evidence or basis to say that they had an affair. There's only what they call rumors that they don't know where it started from. And it just, you know, it's it's just another thing where I, I feel like there is this 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 uh sort of like somewhat like right wing but tabloidy thing, sort of like populist muckraking, where anytime, you know, they want to they want to smear someone. Uh, not that I really care that they're smearing Bill Gates or whatever, but I'm just saying how they do it. Uh, it's like, oh, they they got they got seduced by a Chinese spy, and I feel like that is the that is the 
yellow peril it's a new yellow peril stereotype that you know combines the spy and combines the dragon lady into like one person you know well the thing is it's not old at all right it's kind of been around for a while and it also plays on the old uh the the, the old like soviet honeypot stereotype and it, you know you, you oh watch, yeah that's true you know yeah. what i mean you know like from russia well, it wasn't the seductive like a, it wasn't like, a, it's never a russian man it's because it, like the whole communists were portrayed as eastern europeans and eastern europeans to a similar degree uh as like yellow asians uh their, their women are seen as like the prize the men uh, like eastern european men aren't as just completely sexually denigrated as yellow asian men but you know like nobody thinks of like a like a bosnian guy or a russian guy is hot it's always the women who are always lusted after so we've seen that before but this is like even cranked up even more plus because it is like for example in you know tech it is very common to see uh you know rich white men with younger asian girlfriends um and you know same age relationships as well so it, it just preys up and and it preys also upon just this like porn instinct of wanting whenever there's like a like a white man and an asian woman in a room together whether it's by movies or by porn it's like well you just assume they're just gonna be together uh and and it's mutual and and all that so it's just such even without trying the the default american mindset will be there has to be something going on yeah i think there's a it's a change too because like imagine if wendy dang you know and her and, and, and her uh, ability to, you know, break up marriages and seduce powerful men occurred today. Uh, I mean, she'd definitely be portrayed as a, as a spy or some, some sort of, comp- like, you know, security compromise. Uh, but no one said that back then because I think back then, you know, when she uh, sort of broke up the Murdochs and married, married Rupert Murdoch, you know, I think... If if I recall that the, you know he was trying to get his Sky Network into China, mm-hmm. and he assigned her to be the head of that of of that of that division, mm-hmm. and so there was I think back then like when people thought of China, they thought of it as a business opportunity, not as this like great rival. We still thought we could exploit China for profit. Mm-hmm. And as a as a market, yeah. and so they thought of it as a power couple. People were people were saying that Wendy Deng was a perfect complement to his ambitions in China, and so they never brought that up. And the same, you know, it's interesting because obviously this isn't just limited to Chinese nationals. Like in the case of Hunter Biden, you know, she's Chinese American. Well, like with Zuckerberg, you know. You know, he used Priscilla's being Chinese American as a hopeful entree into the Chinese market. And if you remember, like, you know, he uh, he would talk about how his wife was Chinese. He would he actually asked uh, Xi Jinping to name his daughter, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, was very sort of like public about how his wife was Chinese and thought that that was an asset because they were trying to go into the market. But I think now that he was refused and he's kind of turned, you know, changed his tune and said, Oh, the Chinese are a huge threat or whatever. You know, I don't, I don't think that people, I think people would be quicker now to try and say that, Oh, your wife is Chinese. That's some sort of like, you know, conflict of interest. It means that you're, you've been compromised, you know, by a honeypot. You know, like, 
Yeah, I think we're going to just see more of this type of story because it's going to hit so like it's going to get so many different factions involved and everyone's going to have an opinion that's going to piss off everyone else. Like for example, if you are like kind of like a liberal hawk type, you're going to be yeah, this is actually a problem if you are like a white man in a high position and you happen to have like a like an Asian secretary or even just a, a girlfriend who has any possible links to China, maybe even if she's not Chinese, um, that's a thing. And that's going to trigger people kind of on the same end of the political spectrum being like, oh, what, you're against interracial relationships now? Or, or well, you're the, against well, the like... Liberal, the, interesting, the liberal hawks did that to Mc, McConnell and said that, uh, you know, Elaine Chow has uh, uncomfortably close ties with China. I never heard that before about her. Yeah, and you could see strange allyships between them and say like uh asian guys who are like yeah i see we told you uh you know wmf is, is poisonous all around and and the, yeah so it's and then like the the alt-right uh, asian fetishists will be like oh shit now what's our stance because we're america first but <laughs> yeah well, have uh, we all been we, but we, don't, we, we gotta get laid you know <laughs> we gotta get laid we can't like give up our asian thing um so uh, I think we're just going to see more of this because it's it's it it yeah it's not just political it it's so like interwoven I think into people's uh, personal interests as well so yeah I think you're right about that you know the 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 era where it was the seductive like Eastern European or Russian you know mole mm-hmm. and uh, you know someone named Svetlana or something right and yeah. I feel like that's a sign of like Cold War. <laughs> You know, like the appearance of the spy whore is, you know, a, a sign that we is another indication that we are actually in a Cold War. Yeah. And I, I think if you are kind of like a, a white guy who misses the, the those glory days, this is you, you're now like fucking James Bond or or like a character in like a John Le Carré novel. Like you're, you're going off to lands and all these women are throwing themselves at you. Yeah, they might be spies, but they're hot. Oh, you know, and- that's a good point. Yeah. You know, interestingly, like a few years ago, there was actually like a public service like poster or something that they, that they were passing around in distributing in China. But the honeypot was a white man. And it was about how like, okay, he, you know, Beware, like the handsome foreign man who, you know, is really just looking for, you know, to to conduct some espionage. Yeah, <laughs> you it's know? Like, and the, yeah, there was like there was even like a little cartoon, like manga style, of like you know a handsome, you know, light haired white guy, you know, seducing like a Chinese secretary, and then later asking her favors, like, hey, could you get this document? Could you get that document? <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's the it's a charisma man, but now you're being patriotic. Well, actually, no, you're not being patriotic. You're actually being the exact opposite. But still, yeah. hey, would you rather uh, have a life of adventure or be stuck in America, where all the, all the feminists will call you, you know, a toxic uh, masculine man and whatever, uh, getting me tooed and and stuff like that? So mm. yeah, it's it's a thing. Yeah. Um, I mean that that's basically what uh, the Bear and the Dragon by Tom Clancy, which I think we all should read and analyze sometime. There's a great article out there. Maybe you can link it in the show notes about that. But yeah, it is about an American spy who goes to China and seduces the one of the like party secretary, like high up officials. And the mm-hmm. funniest thing is Tom Clancy was woke enough even in like the year 2000, be like, yeah, if I make this a white guy, I think it's going to be too much. Let's make him Japanese American, which <laughs> adds a whole new layer because of. 
the, you know, the Sino-Japanese war and all that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's funny that, that Tom Clancy was wily enough to, to not make it too overtly white savior Right. Okay, so I, I think we've, uh, we should move on to the main topic at hand, which is, I think with this, you know, stop Asian hate, all that hashtag uh, nonsense flying around, uh, this idea of bubble liberalism has come back to the forefront, at least in the form of a few articles, uh, one by Insider and one in the Daily Bruin. And, you know, we get cited, as I said, uh, thanks to Karen Shibuya article and and the podcast that you did with Redmond and Creighton. And it's, I just want to say, because I've really just come to be very irritated whenever bubble liberalism discussions come up because nobody fucking knows what the term means or they think they know, but everyone has a different term. So everyone like gathers around and be like, yeah, we hate bubble liberals without realizing they're actually pointing fingers at that person in the same room that they think they're agreeing with. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just become a, a catch-all term for like a non-right-wing Asian-American that I kind of don't like and think is lame compared to my chic yeah. and enlightened beliefs or more right. radical yeah. beliefs. So I thought I uh, wanted to get your thoughts on it. I think we could also ca- do like a taxonomy of what definitions of bubble liberals are out there even though they're all called the same thing. Yeah, we, so we did that live, the first live stream that we did on YouTube. I, I felt like if you, if you really want a taxonomy of like Asian Americans by sort of their political identity, that you have to do it that way. Like you've got to talk about where, you know, an actual agglomeration of people. And there is mm-hmm. no boba liberal. There, no one self-identifies as a boba liberal except to say, oh, I used to be one or something. Yeah. And yeah, but I think it's about it's, you know, most of these political terms are like pretty much, you know, people I don't like, you know, uh, like normie. I think it when people say normie, you know, it's it's not clear who's a normie. It's it's always like someone else that I don't like or someone else that I think is lame. Mm-hmm. So I think of it as basically Boba Liberal is like an Asian American normie. Is or how neoliberal. I, uh, it's uh, But the thing is, I people actually, I think, do some people proudly identify as normie or even neoliberal. I don't know anybody who would probably uh, define themselves as boba liberal. Can you think of anybody? No, but I, I think it's, uh, I mean, I'm sure at some point, you know, you, you may find some, I, normie is usually a uh, a pejorative. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and as is, ne- well, neoliberal is a more, it's become pejorative in the way capitalism has become pejorative, but Neoliberal, I think, is a much more specific. Neoliberal is something that had a specific definition, but then kind of like got ruined by yeah. <laughs> Twitter and, you know, um, as does capitalism has a very specific meaning, but that also got ruined by Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Boba Liberal ever had a specific meaning That's other than I, I feel it was something it was like the reinvention of the term normie, but in a race specific way. Yeah. Is how I see it. In my mind, there are essentially two broad categories of what boba liberal means. And one side is refers to the kind of people who you would see on something like subtle Asian traits, the kind of people you might see watching like a, a Wang Fu uh, YouTube video. It's it's that crowd, the the crowd that's generally, you know, left of center will say things like black lives matter and, and vote Democrat, but 
are are perceived as being too normy. Are those like representations? Well, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a popular way the term is used is is a catch-all term for that type. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like uh, happy-go-lucky, um, kind of nicely naive in their enclavey ways, uh, blissfully unaware besides just the most popular uh, mainstream liberal ideas. Uh, that's what I think means bubble liberal in the most mainstream sense. Like when you see uh, a publication like Insider talk about bubble liberals, and I think that's who they're referring to. But a decent size, um, I think, also use bubble liberal to attack uh, like the Asian American activist class, the mm-hmm. kind who will never stand up for Asian American interests if it might make one coalitional ally uncomfortable. Uh, they're the kind who actually don't really have any kind of history of associating with Asians. Like the kind who who probably say something like, I didn't like being Asian until I went to college and took an Asian American studies class, or I watched this movie or read this book when I was in my 20s. That kind are, are also called boba liberals. So those are like fair, pretty different types. And for this one term to be used by both sides to accuse each other and then somebody from the outside sees it being used and says, oh yeah, bubble liberalism is an issue among Asian Americans. Like, who are you talking about? I mean, I think like all things, right? Um, it, it's more of an archetype or something than, than, a, than a particular group of people. So I think, you know, bubble liberal to me is a tendency more than a specific group of people. So everyone I think has some boba lib tendencies you know, and then some not so, but, and I think that like one example, okay. So I was like really annoyed at this, uh, at kind of what you were saying about, you know, especially now, like with all these videos of like Asian American elder and women getting attacked and often elderly women getting attacked. Like you saw the one, you know, with the stabbing recently in San Francisco. I mean, that, that was probably one of the most horrific ones I've seen. I haven't seen that one. I, like, I don't want to. I didn't look at the, this, I didn't watch know? the video, but I, I, couldn't avoid seeing the x-ray because that that was just posted as an image and there's just this giant fucking hunting knife you know and and i was like oh my god like um this is awful and it it kept making me think of something that e tammy kim had said on the time to say goodbye pod where this was their first episode so this was i mean to be fair like this is you know months ago before the violence got to this level, hey, but we it was were calling it out months bad. ago. So, and so yeah. were lots of other people. Yeah, true. Uh, I mean, it was already pretty. It was like a lot of like pushing elderly in the streets, and you know, just like that. It was, it was, it was bad. And her, you know, there, she was saying that, oh, I'm such a bad Asian American, which is what they love to say. I'm a bad Asian American. Yeah. Um, because I don't think that this is. I, I just felt like, is this really the biggest deal right now? And she even said, like, you know, I know that's totally insensitive to the people who have to suffer this. Like, obviously, it's a different group of Asian Americans have to suffer this, not me, you know, like. And I just got really annoyed at this. And then I started looking around for, and I think that's one example. And I think another, uh, I was looking around and there was another um, podcast that uh, the Love Life of an Asian Guy, Rainier Maningding, did. with the extraordinary Negroes and uh, he goes on and he's talking about black Asian, uh, uh, you know, re- relations or, or, or uh, yeah, relations. 
And he says all this stuff about how he's kind of like pointing out the boba libs, right? He's kind of, he's kind of, he didn't use that term, but he's basically saying like there's all these East Asians who are very classist and they look down on, you know, whatever. And that includes Korean shop owners, which Mm -hmm. are not really an elite class of people, but okay. And he's going on about all this stuff and how awful they are to black people and how racist they are and how the new, he said the new immigrants, they have this problem because they don't even speak English and they, they, therefore they can't learn about the subtleties of race relations in America. And there's the only one Rainier Ningding, not enough to go and teach. I mean, literally this is what he's talking about. Then after he, you know, finishes up his fucking lecture about all this shit, the host asks him about crazy rich Asians and he he just gushes over how awesome this is going to be. He was like, yeah, I think this could really put us over the top. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, that's weren't you just complaining about East Asians? And weren't you just complaining about how classist everything is? And then now you're that suddenly you're going to flip into this like. Oh yeah, this the crazy rich Asian is going to put like, you know, Asian people over the top. Like what the fuck, you know? I felt like he he gave a boba lib te- he betrayed a boba lib tendency at that point, you know. At uh, but I bet if you ask him now he'll trash crazy rich Asians cuz that's oh, that's he'll like, walk it back, yeah. Well, because now it's become very easy to do. And th- this is what pisses me most about the use of boba liberals by certain people who will you know, attack the easiest targets. Who are the easy targets? Um, a movie like Crazy Rich Asians, because, and I, I've come to believe that. You, remember when uh, the lead up to Crazy Rich Asians, you and I, we like we were praying for this movie to fail. We, like we we hated it, right? And then I watched it, and I thought it was a good movie. But over the years, I've seen how s- some people have, especially like Asian American activist types, whenever they need like a boost of credibility and show how they're above this like media representation thing, they will always attack crazy rich Asians. And I think it's they do so because it's an easy target. Because if you think about it, compared to a lot of the assimilationist stuff we see in, in Asian American culture, crazy rich Asians is actually pretty out there. It opens with a scene where it quotes Napoleon about how, like, you know. China or, or East Asia, I forgot what the quote exactly was, is going to take over. And the, and the crux of the story is that this is a second generation, uh, formerly kind of like assimilationist Asian American woman who in the books even refused to date Asian men, choosing to go back to Asia and embrace this like yellow Asian eliteness when she could have easily just chose to, to be like a uh, second generation Asian American type. And I think that is why it's become the easiest uh, thing to attack. I mean, it is also the most successful, so it is a it has a big fat target on its back. So it's like it takes no real guts to attack crazy rich Asians. It takes no guts to attack Korean like working class yellow faced people. And yet these people will act like they're they're being so radical by attacking boba liberals. When in fact, I think they're if you define boba liberals as being the kind of person who will not go against the grain when it comes to Asian American interests, they're the boba liberals. Yeah, again, I think it's a tendency, right? And uh, it, and and yeah, I think at it it, it depends on because I think the definition of normie, for example, is you know someone who kind of goes along with what the sort of popular exactly yeah. thing is, and that can change. So when you know before all this shit was going down with uh, you know beating up Asian people and killing Asian people, um, it was all about representation, right, mm-hmm. and media rep. And it was like the 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 normie, but the normie, but you know, uh, popular thing to do 
was to dunk on uh what's her name uh shit um the actress in uh ghost in the shell what's what's her fucking name oh uh uh, scarlett johansson scarlett yeah so the easy thing was to you know constantly joke uh you know post a picture of scarlett johansson saying like oh yeah this is an asian i'm so fucking sick of that joke it's it was never that funny to begin with but it's just but that, it was cut, a normie cut, cut. joke, wasn't it? Right, like. Yeah, but it's that, still that, going on, and it's perpetrated yeah. by people who proudly uh, look down on boba liberals, being like, "Oh, I'm look at me, I'm so radical, I'm tearing down the." I guess it's not technically the white patriarchy. I don't know white matriarchy. I don't know by attacking Scarlett Johansson, but like, give it a rest. Like nobody, have you actually have you seen that movie, uh, Ghost in the mm, Shell? No, like, I've not. It's terrible. In fact, if anything, she's she did us a favor by not putting uh, an Asian person in that role because the movie is that bad. But mm. it's. Again, it's just like, give it a rest. There's nothing radical about this. So stop pretending. Yeah, but I, I think that's where boba liberal is kind of a useful term. Because no, the the only useful thing about it is nobody really wants to be it, right? And it mm-hmm. is it is uh, not, a, like you said, it's not a shelf-stable term. It, it's not clearly defining, you know, who is and who is not a boba lib. But it is creating this, uh, like normie, uh, a label that is kind of saying like, look, you're, you're, you think that you're being very subversive here, but at the end of the day, this is a very normy outlook that you're bringing. Just like Elag going on and on about, you know, thinking that he's being very subversive to say, oh yeah, you know, East Asians are classist and they, you know, um, you know, all they care about is dominating, like, you know, you know looking good and all this shit. But I'm, I am all about, you know, you know, Pete, the the man of the street. You know, like I I care about like l- street level justice. And then the second it turns to Hollywood, he he just reveals like he's like, oh yeah, well I'm I'm as ex- excited about Crazy Rich Asians yeah. as anyone else, which is fine. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be excited about the movie, uh, or whatever. You you could have whatever feeling you want about it, but it is betraying the idea that you know that your stated beliefs are kind of bullshit because. You'll betray them because you're excited about, uh, you know, uh, Nick Young or, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. After you've just railed about how East Asians uh, dominate uh, media rep yeah. or, or n- not dominate media rep, but but dominate the sort of consciousness about Asians. Yeah. Also, if um, Boba Liberal is defined primarily by norminess, norminess is also extremely contextual. And there is no, especially yeah. with a, like a fragmented minority population like Asian Americans. I mean, even among white people, white normieism is very different if you're, say, living in white Brooklyn versus Kansas City versus uh, Palo Alto, right? It's very different what it means to be a normie. And you're not exactly breaking new ground if, if you're like, say, a frat bro in Dallas. But hey, if you're that guy in like Portland, yeah, you are kind of the, the one guy who probably sticks out and is actually uh, going against the grain so mm-hmm. in that sense i think that's what makes boba liberalism so just shape-shifty because every everyone's being a normie within their own uh, circles so if you are uh you know the, the kind of asian who grew up in uh, like pasadena you do like drink boba every day you do uh you you grow up watching like wang fu you really are looking forward to john chu movies that is your norm um, but also if you are like say uh, like an Asian American who uh, always kind of never wanted to be Asian American because you either 
grew up in a all white area or you just thought you were kind of different from the rest of your community and then i don't know you were like you were like a theater arts major and then you grew up to be and then you went on to uh i don't know go, go into like the culture industry and stuff like that there's a certain set of norms that will make you very basic there but then you're comparing yourself to the Pasadena normies saying, oh yeah, those are the bubble liberals. But if bubble liberalism is defined by how well you assimilate to your surroundings, you're both bubble liberals, in which case the you know the that's why the meaning is so hard to to nail down. Yeah, I think I think there I think, yeah, it's it's it is it's um self-referential, right? So it's like, you know, even even the one the, the Karen Shibuya's uh, article, I think there was a there was it was a very much I disclaim bubble liberalism. And I used to be one and, uh, and then, you know, pointing out to very, you know, cultural references that, you know, aged very poorly, like, you know, uh, like a G6 or, uh, you know, something like that. <laughs> classic, classic. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think part of it is uh, the, it, it's running away from your own norminess, right? Like running away from. Uh, you're, it is a form of running away from your Asian, Asian Americanness. You know, I think, I think part of Boba, Boba liberal, which is interesting to me at least is that it is a very culturally specific term for Asian Americans. It's one of the first that really caught like in the public caught on in the public domain, in the public sphere that didn't confuse Asians for Asian Americans with Asians. And was not about that, um, you know, that sort of identity confusion. Like so much of Asian American stuff was about like, am I Asian? Am I American? Oh, I am caught mm-hmm. between two worlds. Boba liberalism to me is at least a truly like, you know, indigenous term to Asian Americans. And I think it really wraps up Asian American as an identity, but in a sort of pejorative, I don't want to be one way. <laughs> But yeah. that's what it is, you know. Not only that, but can you think? Uh, well, obviously, we're not in the the back rooms of other minority communities. But could you? Is there like an equivalent for for other groups? Like, I'm sure there is, but it seems particularly pioneering for Asian Americans that, for once, it won't be Asian Americans looking at. Oh yeah, Boba liberals are the Asian version of this like black term or. Uh, Latino term or whatever, but those communities might actually be looking at us and be like, "Oh yeah, we got our boba liberals too." Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think I, I I don't know I, off the top of my head. That's a good question. I don't I don't I don't I don't know. We could ask, but yeah, because like boba liberalism yeah. is so defined by the fact that so much of Asian culture in America is food. I mean, it is a food term, and I don't know of any other group where it's like the food is so what defines <laughs> yeah. them. Like we say, we're like black people. Often it's it's like music or you know their sports, athletic yeah. uh, domination in certain sports. That's that's how that's like the, in the in the racial cultural marketplace of liberal diversity. That's what they bring to the table. Uh, I I think Latinos food as well, but I, I don't think to the extent of Asians. Um, like like with Asians is often mainly food maybe it's like women maybe it's like history or, or architecture or anime so but it's mainly the food right that's what people see our biggest value in 
I think maybe one reason it doesn't show up, uh, let's say, with black people is because I don't think that there was as much of a self-loathing as Asian Americans have. Yeah. Again, I think like... Sadly true. Yeah, probably. You know, yeah. I think Asian Americans are defined by self-loathing, which is <laughs> like, you know, like if you like... If you look at Asian American cultural output, I mean, almost all of it is self hatred. Like, the, like you weren't you just joking about like you were just joking in one of the DMs about how uh, minor feelings got optioned, and then it like literally got optioned <laughs> with Greta Lee to star. Mm-hmm. And because you were just joking, right? You didn't actually see the news that it got. Oh optioned. no, I did see it. I'm not that. That good of a uh, Nostradamus. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, no, I already okay. see. Oh, you did yeah. see it. Okay, sorry. Yeah. I thought I thought you were just joking around. No, no. Th- thanks did. for for thinking. I have that great <laughs> yeah. foresight. Okay, so it gets option, and you've read it, right? I, I've read certain parts of it, uh, and then I realized, yeah, I, I'm not that interested in this book. But the whole but, thing is so self-loathing. I mean, like it literally says yeah. that Asian Americans are urinal cakes of shame. Yeah, and I'm like, every book is this, right? Every book is. A book that's written for white people, let's face it, mm-hmm. about how we hate ourselves. And and to be perfectly honest, I am all on board with self-loathing if it is done very, I think, bravely and honestly. And But that's my biggest problem with these. I don't think they are. They never really fully go there. But, but what I'm saying is that uh, not so much a critique of this, but I mean, that is the case. I think a lot of what Asian Americans are allowed to write is to sort of publicly air out how we kind of hate ourselves. And mm-hmm. no wonder boba liberal came about as a term that caught on because boba liberal is a term of self-loathing. It is, like you said, it is one of the few terms that seems to be really specific to Asian Americans, like, you know, not Asians, not other groups, Asian Americans, and is pejorative. Of course, yeah. It's the term that captures us best is also pejorative that we used against ourselves. Yeah. So maybe maybe we should well, you know, with Boa being so sweet and all, we should be like type one boba liberal, type two boba liberal, like diabetes, just so that we know what we're talking about. But the one thing I did appreciate about say the type one boba liberal, which is a stereotypical what we what people, you know, call like the, the Kevin Wins, that the types of you can go to EDM all the time and you know, just party it up and all that what i did appreciate about them was that out of all like the asian american subgroups that have come about they seem the least self-loathing they seemed very almost uh, blissfully ignorant of that element that hitherto necessary element of asian americanism they were just happy to be asian american they were silly they were kind of stupid uh and they were just having fun and they didn't care that much about politics uh besides you know following the the most like mainstream blindly liberal stuff Mm. and that i think was more subversive than the more openly self-loathing like activist academic writer types who were just a continuation of of just what we've always seen before about how you know there's something like rotten within asian america and only they know how to fix it because they're the ones whom who can appeal and communicate with with those outside of their their like asian social ghetto so I will say I did always appreciate, even though the type one boba liberals are kind of dumb and mm-hmm. not particularly that informed, I liked that about them because mm-hmm. it was something new at least. Yeah, though with with Redman, who who I think is supposedly the uh, originator of this term, like 
you know, I, I, I felt when I did that pod with him, it was because, and the reason it, I, it, it resonated with me uh, was specifically because it seemed like that era was going to have to come to an end, you know, like that, that we were kind of entering a phase where that sort of blissful ignorance was going to have to come to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it has, you know, with all everything that's, that's coming. I definitely agree. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, so I think what, I think the main test of whether you're a bubble liberal or not will be, I think has to do with foreign policy in China. Like how strongly are you mm-hmm. going to not, I, I'm not saying people have to deny things that, you know, China th- does that are not good, but are you going to be the type of Asian American who will go, uh, uh, on, on you know the Washington Post and 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 rave about how you know China is going to end the world and all that. I think that should w- should I don't think it will because I think it's going to be too taboo. And as we saw, bubble liberalism is ultimately about being a normie, and the normie position, uh, especially for Asian Americans, what will be expected of us will be, yeah, um, say you can. The limits is you can say stop Asian hate. You can hashtag that. But you can't say, for example, stop China hate. That's going to be a step too far. And I think that is, in my ideal world, that would be one of the key uh, differentiators of whether you're a bubble liberal or not. That's going to be tough because I think it is going that to be tough, yeah. there's going to be more than that. That's going to be um, more likely like a non-Chinese Asian American position. Uh, because I think... No matter what, I think that ultimately when it comes to China, like it's going to be a core, it's going to be a specific set of Chinese Americans that push back hardest on it. And for the most part, other Asian American groups, they're not going to have, unless they're really deep into the politics of it and are coming from this from an anti-war perspective, which is not most people, um, it's going to be pretty easy to be like, you know, kind of like our friend TK, (laughs) you know, like... (laughs) Because let's face it, like all of us still retain, I think, or most of us who care about Asian identity, so to speak, a lot of it is retaining a a kind of Asian national pride, you know, which I don't think is a problem. I think that there's a real fear of the term nationalism, nationalism, you know, like that you're flag waving, you know, Nazi or something. But no, I mean, I think Koreans are very proud of being Korean and they're very proud of Korea. And uh, that would not transfer over to, say, like, you know, China. And for Chinese, it's the same. It's like Chinese are very, a lot of them, not all, in fact, maybe not even most these days, but um, a lot are uh, very proud of being Chinese and proud of China. Um, But that would not transfer over to, say, uh, Korea or, uh, you know, Philippines or something. So I think there is still a latent sort of Asian national pride. And most of the people who I see really railing against this stuff are Chinese American or Chinese uh, ethnically. Yeah, um, but I, I think that latent nationalism rapidly degrades with with generation. And, I, and also I think time. Mm, Just uh, yeah. I think, I think it, it depends a lot when you immigrated to U.S. Because I, I think... For the average, uh, like second generation Asian American, like national pride matters only to the extent that you think it boosts Asian American pride. I don't think 
there are, say, Japanese Americans who resent, uh, I don't know, like Korean soft power uh, because they we all benefit from it here. And I, I think it's going to become even less of an issue when you get to like third generation, which, you know, we've, they're rising up. I don't, I don't even know what the generation after generation Z is, but that's them. And so I, I think it'll be less of a barrier, especially as time goes on. And we see that just in, the, in all the attacks and stuff. We, like, honestly, I, I see like when I see people getting attacked, like it seems like most of the time they're Korean. Uh, maybe it's just my bias, but like Koreans, Filipinos, um, and obviously a lot of Chinese too, but it seems like a lot of times when people get attacked, they're actually not Chinese and that has a very yeah. formative effect. They've, they've really been able to spread it around. I've seen Hmong, I've seen... Um... A lot of Southeast Asians getting targeted. I've seen a lot of non-Asians getting targeted that they thought were Asian. Yeah, uh, I've seen like a Latino so, or two who, yeah. yeah, that happened to them. Yeah, who often who often kind of look Asian, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's pretty terrible. Um, I don't know. I guess, so bottom line, I guess, I don't know. What do you think? Like, I still think boba liberalism is a useful term, but it is not a... It is definitely not a term that has a fixed meaning and it's not pointing to a specific group of people, but it is in my mind, one, I like it because it is a a truly indigenous term. And two, I like it because it is a reference to more of a tendency within people rather than a group of people. It is about having uh, unexamined. It, it is about basically like kind of going with what is considered, you know, cool. It's like at that moment, like what is both safe and makes me seem like not lame, you know? And that means, that means, uh, you know, being a little bit late, being fashionably late uh, to the trends on on Facebook or what you know, like or or or, or any social media, you know, um, not being too late where it's lame, not being too early where it's maybe too edgy for me, and you're not sure where, where this is going. It's it's tr- trying to time your adoption of a, a certain you know uh, cultural thing, uh, slogan, I you know um, woke slogan or whatever. You're trying to get it in that sweet spot where it's both popular and edgy, you know, and and I think if that's the motivation, if that's how you tend to adopt what you, that's how, what guides how you think is sort of, you know, that sort of like trying to find the sweet spot of when to get in, uh, you're a boba liberal, right? And so it's not any specific idea or any specific thing, but it's more like to me how you approach uh, approach it. Yeah, and I think that's the actual definition. And if we're going to keep using it, I want people to stop fixing it on a certain group because as we've discussed in this episode, it's actually not specific. It, it's very contextual depending mm-hmm. on which circle you run in. I think that's the real definition of Boba Liberal and why it rings true for so many Asian Americans, because that's you know combined with our history of self-loathing and insecurity, you know that we all know, uh, including our very selves, that we really want to fit in. I think that's what's ultimately 
it's calling out, wa- wanting to fit in, whether you're in an Asian enclave or you're in a like multiracial coalitional enclave. You're just trying to fit in and block everything out and, and not raise any alarms for anyone. That's what it's trying to call out. That's why it rings so true. But obviously, that will not... A bubble liberal in one spot will not be the same as a bubble liberal in a completely different spot. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, a lot of times in the mainstream, especially, it just devolves into attacking just like easy targets. As I said, the kind of kind of harmless Asian Americans who just really want to watch Crazy Rich Asians and just want to go to EDM concerts. Uh, just like stop thinking you're so much better than them, you know, because you are doing exactly the same in your in your circle. <laughs> Though I would say that there is a. Tendent, like Twitter tends to be less Boba Lib than Instagram. I feel like Instagram is the home of Yo, Boba I- Instagram Lib. is is like the the mainline Boba Lib to your arteries of uh yeah of, of that type. You know, it, it's the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that is part of that whole kind of on click I mean you often make fun of you know the, the like average uh, Instagram influencer is is like the former ABG with the real estate license. I mean, yeah, oh, that yeah, is yeah. trademark uh, kind of e- that type one bubble liberal. You know, she probably goes to like EDM concerts and you know hangs out with guys who have who still who still sport undercuts and you know in the year twenty twenty one, and probably have uh, dragon tattoos and <laughs> they they always wear sleeveless shirts you know you know that we all know what we're talking <laughs> part about. of it you know and when i was talking to redmond too like part of it was also geographic like that southern california seemed to be like the real home of boba liberalism like there is a there is a oh, very it's like a home specific... of boba, right well unless i'm i'm uh, being unfair to where it started in america at least obviously oh yeah i'm sure from, it started like, in Asia. la yeah. and and it's 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 uh there's a very like specific la culture that is very tied to instagram which i think is is instagram in la or is it snapchat i forgot which one um but it is it is a very like i think you know the asian american influencer is on instagram is a very southern california defined uh thing you know nobody wants to see instagram pictures of people in new york in the dirty streets in a parka you know nobody wants to see exactly you want someone with you know wearing something sleeveless and uh with sunglasses out in the middle of the fucking day uh you know by some palm trees or an in and out or by the beach or you know something like that and southern california is has always been in america i think like sort of the cultural the sort of like it's the it's the boba liberal of america right like all of the sort of shallow consumer culture sort of originates from southern california it's the original and i think there is a very Southern California Asian stamp to Boba Lib. You know, Kevin Nguyen lives in LA. Like we kind of know that. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, Probably I think like suburbs, part of it might yeah. be that a lot of Asian Americans, and you know, this is something that I I've brought up. Like we don't talk about this a lot, but like the regional characteristics of Asian Americans, including Asian Canadians, like, how does it feel to have California basically so dominate the the conception of Asian mm-hmm. diaspora? It could be like a regional resentment. Yeah, I think part of it point. is yeah, because yeah. because because Southern California just is so dominant uh, online in terms of like what a cool Asian is, you know. Mm-hmm. 
So, but but that's my whole thing. Like like even a cool Asian is really not that cool. So if you are attacking the cool Asian, chances are you're probably actually looking down on them from wherever you are because being a cool Asian, I feel like. Well, maybe things have changed in like the last couple of years, but like being a cool Asian brings you to the level of like an uncool non-Asian, or yeah. maybe that's so, being a bit harsh. But no, but but, but there are objective measures, right? Like follower count, you know, and um, you know, actual actual online footprint, and you know, there are the Asian influencers that mean anything. They're all based in Southern California. Mm-hmm. When it comes to fashion, beauty, um, you know. Um, you know, all that stuff, like the stuff that really has purchase on Instagram, you know, people who have parlayed that into like, you know, multi-million dollar careers and stuff, uh, like a Chris L. Lim or whatever, they're all in Southern California. Mm-hmm. So I think there's an objective, okay, you could say like, okay, that's not cool, that's lame, that's chasing the money, but she's got the followers, she's got the lifestyle, she, you know, it's it's like how everyone wanted to dunk on Chrissy Teigen, but I'm like, okay, yeah, she's dunkable, obviously. But look at her fucking her fu- fucking follower following account, uh, our follower numbers. Look at how much she just dominates the conversation, even if you're making fun of her. And you know, social media, I think, because it contains those stats. I mean, that's just flex, you know. Like, even if you're dunking on me, like I have millions of followers, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, you you might hate. You might think like subtle Asian traits is lame, but your like subtle Asian activist group is never ever gonna even come like a one percent as dominant as that. that that's exactly. basically what you're saying, yeah. right? I think so. Yeah, it's like at some point you're kind of like, okay, you can you can be edgier, you can be cooler, but you don't have the you don't have the flex, you know? Like you're not making money. Uh, you know, Chris, Chris L. Lim is making money or, or, uh, before all those other, I don't know many of the names, so I just keep using her name, but like, you know, there's a lot of Asian people that have huge counts on, on Instagram that are just sort of selling beauty products and shit. And we might think that that's very Boba Lib, but they also don't have to get a job. (laughs) You know? So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else uh, to say about this topic? No, I think it's not. Go- I don't think the term is going anywhere. I think it's gonna. I think it's here to stay. <laughs> so, yeah, it's know, it's well sticky. It it's better. it's sticky to it a certain sticky. extent. And I think it's it's advantage is that you can say it in your group, and everyone knows what you're talking about without you having to uh, list all the seven bullet points. Uh, everyone just knows it. But it's also so contextual that. That person you accuse of being bubble liberal is doing the exact same thing to you. And they don't have to specify it in their circle, but they know what they're talking about. So Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know, Amanda said this too. This is the first time I started talking to her on Twitter, was she listened to that pod and was like, This just resonates. Like when I first heard the term, it just resonated. I was like, I understand it, it is such a well-crafted term because, like you said, like you don't need an explanation for what it means. You know what it means. You know, mm-hmm. even if you're not, even if it's a, even if it's a shifting definition or it's not a, you know, I think because it points to something like we recognize, you know, uh, we just recognize. Yeah. yeah. My main issue is that it's a shifting definition that we think is a fixed definition. And we should be clear that if we're going to use it, let, let's be clear on what it is and uh, not 
act as if there is one type and that's the only type that uh exists okay uh we're a little over an hour right now uh any any things that happened this week that you want to just quickly go over or any things you got to get off your chest no man i mean it's like uh I I'm I'm not, I don't know. I'm struggling with this idea of going back into the office. Oh shit, you got to go back into the office? No, but it it looks like there's like increasing amounts of pressure like, you know, uh to to open back up. And uh I think I think like JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs have already set dates for for going back. Oh yeah, in. they really want people to go back. They really want um, to go back in. I yeah. what do you think is the underlying cause? I mean, people have all sorts of theories. One is like you know, they've already rented these places, so you know, they want to use it. Others have you know, they want to control the the workers. Uh, so I, I've also talked to friends of mine who actually do want to go back because because they think it's really hard to work, especially when they're trying to bring more junior people up to speed, especially if they're like first year associates yeah. at a yeah. law firm or something. And be like, it's impossible yeah. to train them. Yeah. Uh, so there's like all sorts of legit reasons. I mean, what 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 do you think is the number one reason? At least if you're like an executive, why do you want people back in the office? I think the number one reason is because it's just not normal. You know, like I, I think <laughs> I think it's like it, it doesn't make sense to have a company where people never meet each other. And uh, I, I think that's true. But that doesn't make me want to go back. I don't because I don't really care, <laughs> you yeah. know. Like, and I think that's what's going to happen is they're going to make good arguments as to why it's bad for the company that a company can't be a company without you know physical presence, and it, it is better for the company and better for the employees to be physically together. But I think that that's all true. I just think that. The other side that's never represented is I don't really give a fuck about the company. I never did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I just want to get paid. And I think that there's a, there is, um, it, you know, a growing, it's just there, there's a certain amount of like, I just hate going into the office that is not allowable. But as they try, you know, it's been over a year with people at home. Some are really wed to the idea of like, look, I just don't ever want to go back in the office. I know a lot of people that feel that way. And I think that's the default opinion. You think so? I'm just biased, but mm-hmm. uh, I I don't think I'm that weird in thinking that. Yeah, I don't I I don't either. And and um, but the but the problem with it is that there's no socially responsible way to say that. Except maybe like, oh yeah, what about think about the environment? Think about you know like think about the commute, the the lost hour and or two hours at per day. Okay. But think about all the men's shoes companies that would go out of business. Who would buy like a pair of Oxfords if you didn't have to go into the office? Actually, that's a good point. What about like the think of Ellen is Edmonds? That, like, is, is that is that like a big problem? Like you know, you, you wonder like because huge the dry cleaning industry is dominated by Korean Americans, and I yeah. wonder if that's like I was thinking of that the other day. Like, is that has that been a major problem? I'm sure it's not to mention like all the the little delis and uh, oh, yeah, yeah. restaurants that are you know in a place like Midtown New York. That if the offices weren't there, why the hell would you go out of your way to eat at those places? It's all for the office workers. So I, I think there are also major economic concerns of what would happen. Yeah, uh, but yeah, but from a purely selfish level, like hell no, I don't want to commute anymore. Yeah, I don't want to fucking go. I mean, I'm fine with everyone else reopening. Just don't make me go in. <laughs> <laughs> like 
I would love for everything to go back to normal, but somehow I am given the opportunity to just work from home because I, I've had my, I've had enough of the like. I, I don't think I would uh, necessarily have wanted to start my career working from home, but at this point, you know, having worked for as long as I have, I don't need that shit anymore. I don't really care. It should be like school. You, you get like grades one to five your first five years you're in the office then you graduate to go home they'll they'll throw you a little ceremony and be like it was nice getting to know you but uh we've seen enough of your face so you can you can go home if you want <laughs> yeah. yeah we're gonna put him we're gonna put him out to pasture i <laughs> i yeah it's just i i wish more people would just be like look man i I I just don't I just I don't like drinking office coffee. I don't like seeing my coworkers face to face. I'm not a FaceTime <laughs> kind of person. And uh you know, why why can't I just fucking work from home? I'm totally totally uh um productive at it. I think that this is going to be a bigger fight, you know, like we're going to see there's going to be controversy about this and I don't think we're just going to be able to drag people to go back into the office as easily as we think we are. So I'm looking, mm-hmm. kind of looking forward to the fight because <laughs> I heard that, you know, uh, like JP Morgan, for example, they had to shut down, like they have like an intranet where they, where employees are encouraged to comment and stuff. Oh like yeah. That. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. And they just shut it down. Like after 40 comments, they were like, yep, we're locking this thread, <laughs> you know, like, cause people were like, fuck this. And then I've heard that, uh, you know, with tech firms and 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 uh, with Goldman too, you know, a lot of these people are pretty leveraged uh, employees. They don't they don't have to take your shit. So I heard that a lot of people have quit, and they're just like, yeah, no, I'm not coming back. I quit. From the, the like the white collar all the way down to you heard about the restaurant workers, right? Who can't, or or the restaurants that can't fill their staff because right, yeah yeah. So it's, it's like all at all levels, people are just turning their backs, and the employers ain't happy. I don't think that you can let people out of the office for over a year and not have that come back. The the reality of how much people hate work, job, not work, jobs. That's a good point because now these people are, they're going to get stupid ideas like life is more than just working. Can't have that. Yeah, I think that's happening all over. I think there's tons of people who are That's communist thinking. Yeah, you know, or whatever it is, I mean- they they got uh, a year, t- uh, basically a year off. You know, everyone basically got a year off, and a lot of people were like, "Yo, I'm not coming back." You know, my my a year is a long time for your fundamental values and outlooks to change. Your body rhythm and and your mus muscle memories probably changed also because you're you're so used to leaving your house or apartment at. 9am or whenever and you're like standing in the, in the subway for like 30 minutes now you just roll out of bed make yourself a nice breakfast uh and in in the time that it took you to commute you've actually uh spent it on yourself you feel better you actually might even work better uh but no 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 that's uh can't enjoy life too much then then you start getting dangerous ideas yeah and i think there's some people who are just like i'm not even sure i like work you know, like jobs. Like I, I, I'd rather go do something else. Uh, so I don't know. I, I personally would like to see that. I would like to see the employers have a hard time, ju- I, especially just the arrogance with the way like Goldman had said it. Like you know, like we are going to make sure that you know the interns and whatever get a get a authentic exposure to our culture. 
you know and i'm like i don't give a fuck about the culture i don't it's, care about that stuff's the bullshit that we had to pretend to be interested in when we were interviewing at your oh, place. Yeah. nobody you know i know nobody cares about this fucking culture <laughs> some people did i swear to god some fucking the, bootlickers did it, the, they really um, did. it was really gross but the ones yeah, that did no i mean brains, normal yeah. like actual normal people with a heartbeat mm-hmm. you know like why the fuck do I care about office culture? What the fuck is office culture? It's it's the it's always the worst culture. You know, yeah. it's always the most bootlicking fucking, you know, anxiety, uh ready to please, do any do anything that I'm told, uh do you know, have no sense of like personal boundaries. That's the culture. And they call mm-hmm. that oh, hardworking, committed, driven, blah blah blah. I'm like, no, you you just have no boundaries. Yeah. Maybe uh I feel like we're on a roll. It's a good one, but I feel like this is such a different topic. But hey, I was just uh, had the perfect idea to announce it here that uh, unverified accounts. We're now going to move it over to the Escape from Plan A uh, uh, feed. So uh, we don't know how many episodes we'll do a month, but probably at least a couple to start with. So they're going to come out here. And I was just thinking, why don't we just like watch Office Space and we can rag on Office Culture because uh, the podcast we're going to do deep dives into to books and movies uh, as, as a slight deviation from what we usually do on Escape from Plan A. So I feel like we've got a lot to say on this matter. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, really excited about that and uh, bring the fam together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So uh, good chatting with you and we'll hope to see you next time. All right. Later, man. All right. Later. Later.